You turning up for real for somebody who on an empty stomach on the salad. I know, right? All right. Hey, besties. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Courtney and Nikki show. So you all, today we're going to be talking about uncomfortable conversations, okay? We have a really good show for you all today. So sit back. Relax and get your drink on. This is your best friend's best friend's podcast. Come here to find out all the tips and tricks of making it through the chaos of life with your mind, body, and spirit intact. So sit back, relax, grab a drink, and welcome to the Courtney and Nikki Show. Hey, Nikki. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How's your week been going? My week has been good. You know, today is my baby girl's birthday. It's the big three. So it's been a very nice day. I'm actually celebrating my momiversary. I do this as a like a private thing for myself, but usually on her birthday, it's only been three years, but so far on her birthday, I've been celebrating myself, giving myself some, cutting myself some slack because it took a lot to get that little human into this world. So, you know, celebrating with a little drinky drink. All right. What you drinking on? Today, I am drinking Jim Beam whiskey in the honey flavor. I'm actually kind of leaning more to this, to Jim Beam versus like our other little whiskey flavors that we've been having. Um, It's pretty good. I like it. It's not bad. And I'm having it straight. So, fun episode. Right. Turn up. Turn up. I actually have a real drink tonight as well, but I'm sipping on some wine. This is a rosé flavor wine, which I got on accident. It's cool or whatever, but next time I'm going to make sure I grab the pink Moscato instead. Rosé all day. That's what I think about. He will just say rosé. But I don't think I like rosé, actually. I like real rosé. I like champagne. Yeah. Yeah. The rosé flavored wine is not doing it. It for don't me. really sit well with me either. I'm actually I prefer if now I feel like as I get older and when I do like certain things like certain like certain events or something like I actually prefer to have just like a glass of champagne and I'll be set cuz if you have a really good glass of champagne a really good bottle of champagne you don't need several glasses to just be relaxed and have a good time. One glass should do you one or two. Let's say two, depending on your max, should be just enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, so Courtney, we always start our show with our health goals. So do you have any new health goals for this week or something you've been doing? Yeah, so you are this last weekend. I was going to do the fast. I did not do the fast, but you all instead, I did this two-day detox this week. Um, So down here is this popular um, juice place called Arden's Garden. Um, So if you all don't see it, check it out online. Their drinks are really good. They can be pretty pricey, but they have this really good fruit juice detoxes two days and so you are for two days this weekend 
all I drank was the juice. So what you do is you have a gallon. You have a whole gallon that you're supposed to drink. And you drink between eight to 10 ounces every hour. And so on my first day that I did it, um, I saw food and I did it on a Saturday. So I'm at home and I wanted the food, but I really was just craving the food. So I didn't touch food. I did really good that first day because the juice you all will keep you full, but you're supposed to drink it throughout the day. Um, unfortunately, I started early and I finished early. So I was really, really hungry at the end of the day. Now I did, you're not supposed to eat, but if you're going to eat, you want to stick with something like fruits or vegetables. So I did do a couple of bites of some fresh honeydew and I was good to go. I woke up at like three in the morning and ate some, but you all, when I woke up, my stomach was on that flat, flat. Yeah, that's going to be crazy. Like your stomach do be flat after like one or two days of like not consuming things that like bloat you. Right. And that's my problem. I feel like that's my goal. My goal is to tone my stomach and get a flat stomach. That's what the hula hoop is about. So the first day it did wind up being straight. The drink was okay. Didn't taste too bad. I was considering quitting the second day, but I did like the results. So I went ahead and did it the second day. And it also makes you pee a lot. So um, just be ready to go to the bathroom. But you all, it was a really great detox. I wish that I had a scale so that I could have seen if I did lose any pounds. Although that's not my goal. A lot of people, when I did my research, they said that this was what they would, this is what they would do to start their weight loss journey. My intentions was more so to cleanse my body and detox, cleanse my organs, restore my cells, uh, more so than weight loss. And so I felt really good about that felt comfortable enough now to enjoy my wine. I know. Yeah. I love doing detoxes and fasting. I generally like, I I mean, this may be like just a keto thing, but I think I generally fast like naturally. Like I don't, if I eat at night for dinner, I don't eat again until typically to like the afternoon of the next day. Now, before I used to be at breakfast, lunch, dinner, eater, snacks in between. Like I used to be, eat all throughout the day. Now I just kind of like, I just, if I'm hungry, I may eat, I may eat something small. Like today I had crackers, but other days I may have some celery juice. One day I may have some blueberries, something to like, and it will break naturally that it does break your fast. But as far as like just spacing out how much you eat and like, you know, just allowing your body to burn off the fat that it has. Um, I think I did kind of do that naturally, but I don't really have a health goal for the week or health tip. I mean, I haven't really been doing much. It's been pretty busy with like school and Abby's birthday today, like preparing for 
her um, little school party, which is our first, I mean, it's honestly our first time having like a school party for her, which is a really big deal for me being an educator. Like that's a really big deal when you have like, you know, your birthday at school, cause it's a really big deal and everybody likes having the attention on them and you get to sing happy birthday and just makes the kid feel special, especially mm-hmm. since we're not doing like a party or anything up until, until five years old again. Um, so my mind has been on that. I did take a mental health day. I took one last Friday and I, it was actually really good. I went and got a massage. Courtney gave me my early birthday gift. I went and got my annual birthday massage, which was really nice. Annual meaning like in the past year or two. <laughs> um, and then what else? I went and got, I got like my eyebrows done. I did a lot of like, self like physically like body care for myself um I ate a really good lunch I had a really good day like I didn't really do that much on Friday I did rest a lot I took a really good shower that day I do remember like I'm usually a quick shower person but there are days where I would just take like a long 30 minute like I would do the full black soap face scrub body scrubs, shave, like the whole, whole nine. That's the kind of shower I had that day. So that was, I didn't remember that. So I had a pretty good day off. I mean, I still had to be like a mom. So I had to still have to get up early and drop Abby off and like, you know, go pick her up from school and stuff. But I had a pretty good day. Like it wasn't that bad. Good. That sounds good. It's always important to take that time out. Yeah. Just to do something nice for yourself. I need, I'm, I need and will start doing it more often. I used to feel very guilty about doing it. And that's just a natural mom guilt. Um, But I'm going to be very intentional on like taking time, not just on the weekend, taking time out from work too, because work is just as draining as home Mm -hmm. is. So yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about all this, this self-care that I've been giving myself too. So boom, bam. (laughs) All right, so we're going to switch gears and go into a Dear Courtney and Nikki. And it's actually kind of like a, yeah, Dear Courtney and Nikki. So let's listen to it. Oh, and by the way, if you'd like to write into us, ask us some questions or some advice, send us an email at thecourtneyandnikkishow at gmail.com. You can send your questions or anything. Send us an email there and we would love to hear from you. I'll also put that information down in the show notes. So, so my daughter's, this is the question. So my daughter's biological dad dipped when she was born. My now husband has stepped in and has been there since she was six months old. She is now five. She has a relationship with her biological dad and and doesn't even know that my husband is not her dad biologically. Okay. By the way, I did not proofread this. My daughter has been acting out lately, like bad, just doing stuff for attention and it's becoming a problem. Remind you guys, she's five. Courtney, as educators, we know what that means when someone is five. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're so funny. I just want <laughs> yes, to pinpoint that we understand what a five year old is going through psychologically or mentally. Right. Mm-hmm. So, 
My daughter has been acting out lately like bad, just doing stuff for attention and becoming a problem. Before I keep going, we do a lot of one-on-one time with her. She gets extracurriculars, etc. So don't come for me about not giving her attention. Mm. Okay. Anywho, I decided to put her in therapy. Okay. Because That's good. Mm -hmm. because I'm out of things to try with her and my frustration is getting bad. So I want to see a professional's thoughts. So I shared this with my husband and he explains that he believes he is the problem. He said, and I quote, if anything were to ever happen between us, I wouldn't lose my biological kids, but I would lose her. So I treat her different. Like when she be trying to hug on me and stuff, I don't let her and tell her to stop. So while I get his sentiments and I am empathetic here, I'm going to change this are my thoughts. She said, here is my thoughts. I can't one. I came as a package deal. He knew what he was getting into when he dated me and married me. Two, I said from day one, there would never be differences shown between my kids by him or my family. And I have checked him a few times about it. And three, I get his insecurities, but you're not going to ruin my child because of your own personal feelings that I have never even said. Because at this point, even if we did split up, she is the first one. I'm sending to him because, baby, she is a mess. What would you do? Any suggestions or advice? Am I wrong? That kind of just ruined my mood to know that my daughter wants love on someone who won't allow her to. Oh, wow. There is a lot to unpack there. Yes. Number, the first thing is, you know, I do not believe in lying to children. Mm. And to have a man, I think that is very honorable that he stepped in as a stepdad to play the role of her father. Because if he's been in her life since she was six months old, that means that there's had to have been some type of involvement when it comes to him raising her, him taking care of her. I think that is fantastic, girl. Um, however, I think that it is very dangerous to have this child thinking that this man is her biological father and then later on, when you feel like she's old enough to understand, yeah. you, you rock her world by saying, actually, this other man that you have a relationship with is your father. Yeah. And I also wonder, because she's five years old now, and if the child does have a relationship with her biological father, is her biological father telling her that he's her real dad? Right. So... That's, you know, that is definitely a possibility here, too. I do think that, okay, so she's acting out. She's at that age where kids, they can act out. You know, I don't think it's really 
abnormal for a kindergartner to do actions for attention. A lot of kids do that. However, again, um, it depends on the extremity of that behavior. So if he's admitting, you know, she's asking for attention and I'm rejecting her, that's huge. Because, yeah, so at least he's owning up to the fact that He's owning up to the fact that it could be me and what I'm doing in my actions. Yeah. So at least you can identify what the cause is, part of the cause for her behavior. I think it's great that she's in therapy at five years old. Five-year-olds have a lot to talk about. And she can learn some important coping skills even at a young age. I did therapy as a child. Yeah. And... It's some things that I I still apply in my life today based on what I learned at that young age. Yeah. But my big concern is he, even though he's playing this role, he's making a difference. And especially it sounds like you all have other children together. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like he's making the difference between the child that is not his and the child, the children or the child that is his. And children pick up on that stuff. They perceive it. And so really my advice, mom, I don't think you're wrong. I think that the lie is wrong, but I don't think that you're wrong for being concerned. That's very concerning because you're right. You guys are a package deal. And if he's been in that child's life for five years, mm-hmm. why, what is it in his heart that would allow him to reject yeah. a child and separate a child that he's raised? And so that's concerning. My, my advice, if you're open to therapy, since it sounds like you are, you are, you may need some family counseling. So that you can have somebody, a professional, to help you all navigate through your family and some of these obstacles. Because you can't make him, you really can't make him do anything. You can't make him treat your child the way that you want him to treat your child. Mm. If he has enough love and respect for you and your child, then he will. And he should want to. But... If he needs some steps to get there, I don't think that you should negate all that he's done in this five years. But we have to figure out what that block is that's stopping him from giving her the attention after he's raised the child for five years. Yeah. And girl, if not. You may need to move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. And you might have to reveal the truth to your child, depending, you know, especially if she has a, I'm wondering what that relationship is like with the biological father. Yeah. What do you think, Nikki? I mean, I definitely agree. My whole takeaway um, from it is that you above all have to consider your child's feelings in this. And and I'm saying that as, as like a parent, I don't put, unfortunately, I don't put my husband's feelings over my daughter's because he's an adult, meaning he can have, he has a lot more control over his life than she does as a child. So I have to consider hers a little bit more than the, any other adult that may come in our, you know, in the midst of us. 
Um, so I definitely agree with that. And I think that you do need to get down to the root of what is causing a blockage with your um, boyfriend or whoever, husband, excuse me, your husband and your daughter. It's very odd that he has been raising her since she was six months old. And now that she's five, he's creating this blockage. Is that a he problem? Is that a problem for him? Is it a personal problem that he's having? Did something happen? Is her behavior causing the blockage? Again, like we said, she's five. So if you have ever, ever been around more than one five-year-old, you do know that the behavior is pretty consistent among all five-year-olds. It may vary, but mm-hmm. that's just who, that's just what's happening developmentally at that age. So we're not even about to go into like her behavior. She five. Okay. I, we expect it. Right. She can barely think to, to blink her. It's like, she barely even knows that she's blinking half the time. Like they don't know anything. So I don't hold much on them, but I definitely hold more responsibility on these parents. And, um, yeah, she needs to get down to the root of it. And if it turns out that, you know, you, your husband's thoughts and your thoughts are different on this topic, y'all need to do some, y'all need to sit down and talk about it because this is your child we're talking about. This is not somebody who can take care of themselves. Right. You're literally raising, or who asked to be here. You're literally raising a human being who is going to ultimately have an impact on the world what are you trying to teach your child so that when they become an adult these are the values and these are the actions and behaviors that they're liable to continue with as they interact with others yeah this is deep yeah it's nothing to play with i think people forget like especially these couples even like parents who divorce like, y'all forget how much of an impact this makes on children. And I think that us being on the other side of, like, being the, I, I call teachers the other parents for kids, for student, for our students. Like, being that other parent, you hear, a, you, you, you get a lot of the effects that happen when you have two parents who are not thinking about the child or they're just thinking about themselves. Mm-hmm. And they just don't, they don't realize it. They don't realize it. And it's so unfortunate, but I really hope that you, ma, this, um, the, you know, the writer, I really hope that you find some positive resolution to this. Right. But bestie, you are not wrong. You are, you really are asking the right questions and you're taking the right steps. You will address the problem for sure. And it may take some time. But yeah, I also, I agree, you know, hoping for the best. Make sure that you um, write back so that we can get some updates. Mm -hmm. All right. So (laughs) this week... Besties, as Courtney said, that we are, we, we kind of keeping it on the low and we really want to talk about something that has really been prominent in both of our lives this week and just overall. 
if anybody knows Courtney and I personally, you know that we do a lot of personal work on ourselves. We do a lot of mental, spiritual um, healing and work on ourselves. We try our best to do work on ourselves so that we can be better people for others. But we've come to the conclusion that a lot of people in our lives and just not just that may personally affect us, but a lot of people are really uncomfortable with having hard, uncomfortable conversations with their family members, with people they're in a romantic relationship, with people they may be working with. Like people just are not they just they get their they get their panties in a box and their boxers in a bunch over like having you know, conversations that make them sweat. So Courtney and I wanted to talk about it because we find it very important to have uncomfortable conversations because it allows room for so many other things to blossom. So Mm -hmm. Courtney, what I don't understand you all, and this, so this is where I'm going to start. It is okay. You are to have conflict conflict just represents the fact that I have my own experiences that I bring to the table Nikki has her own experiences that she brings to the table you have your own experiences that you bring to the table Mm -hmm. and so you may not always get along or think along the same lines right away and so conflict you all is inevitable and how is it that you're going to resolve a conflict if you do not have a conversation about it we cannot allow fear to drive us from protecting ourselves protecting our feelings making sure that people understand our boundaries unfortunately it's hard to be your authentic self If you're around a bunch of people who really can't say what it is, if you're afraid to tell the truth, I mean, it's as simple as, let's say me and my girls, we all plan a night to go out. You know, you always have that one friend who really doesn't want to go out, but they're afraid to tell you that they don't want to go out, right? And so you're sitting here and you're like, okay, who's all coming? You're trying to make the count. And they say, oh, yeah, you know, I might come. And then it's the day before and they ghost you. You don't even hear from them. Why can't you just say, hey, you know, I'm just not into that. I don't feel like it this weekend. I have other plans. But I know so many people who rather what I like to do, I call it spin you. They rather spin you. They don't want to give you a set answer. They just like to leave you in limbo. It's okay to say, no, you know, I don't feel like doing that. But what's not okay is not saying what it is. That's going to piss people off and make people mad because you're, you're holding them up in all actuality. Yeah. And then you want to get mad when somebody, this is what I don't, another thing that I don't understand. You have people who are willing to stand up for themselves and stand up for their boundaries. And it goes back to our our audacity last week. 
I'm not afraid to stand up for myself. And so you want to perceive me as I'm the bad guy, I'm a villain, I'm mean, I'm confrontational. When I'm just trying to put things out on the table so that we can come up with some type of resolution that we both can agree with and compromise on. Yeah. It's... As a person who grew up around conflict and grew up with the fear of not wanting to handle conflict and then becoming an adult who has learned how to cope and deal with conflict, how to work through conflict, how and an adult who understands how much growth can happen through conflict if both all parties are willing to work towards that. I'm able to understand that now, but I used to be completely like, I would never mention anything because I was like, I just don't want anybody to argue. I don't want anybody to leave. Cause I always, as a child, I saw people dealing when they went from conflict to like leaving. That was it. That was like their punishment for the other person. So mm. it was one of the things that I just wanted to always avoid. But now I'm like, fuck that. Okay. Because I'm not protecting myself in any way. I'm only allowing you to be the one who controls the other person to be the one that controls the conversation, to control the narrative, control the same thing, but to just control how the situation went. And so I definitely had to get people meaning family, definitely family members into conversations where it was like, okay, you saying this, but you're really not doing what you're, have you spoken to that person? Have you like, like, let's just really try to figure this out. You just want to argue and complain about this all the time. How productive is that? And another thing that I noticed that happens when people do that, when you don't stand up for yourself there's a passive aggressiveness that comes out where I'm not standing up for myself. So ultimately I'm being passive. I'm letting it ride and I'm letting it ride and I'm letting it ride until finally I can't let it ride anymore. Yeah. And so it comes out in a hostile way. Yeah. And that's where the uncomfortable conversations can become, or even the conflict, it escalates mm-hmm. when Really, had you been assertive in the moment when someone disrespected you or crossed your boundary, if you said something in the moment, it's liable to have been addressed in that moment. Yeah. Versus all of a sudden now I have to blow up because I should have said something the first time. And I think that you should have known. I really shouldn't have said Mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. You really should have read my mind. Mm But it goes back to, guess what? We all are raised differently. We all have different experiences. So I'm going to perceive something differently from the way that you perceive it. And if you don't tell me that it's bothering you, how am I going to really know? That's the thing. Like we, like it, again, as a person who has had to learn and do the work to not expect for people to read my mind, you have to open your mouth and tell people when they are not meeting the expectations. So let's be real. We all have a certain level of expectation between 
for every person that we meet, whether it's a friendship or a personal relationship. We have expectations. So you need to open your mouth and tell that person, this thing specifically, I don't like. I don't want you to do it. It crosses a boundary for me. Because I'm going to do that same thing for you. I'm going to let you know when you are crossing a boundary for me that it's, 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 it, where it's uncomfortable. Again, if you don't open your mouth, if you don't say anything, we won't know anything. Mm-hmm. We won't know. And there's, and you can't, and you, you really can't fault anybody for information you haven't given them. Right. So. Family, I mean, and for me, family is very hard because it's like, they're your family, they're blood. It's like, you know, but when you really, for me, when I really had to face an incident where the family was causing such harm, mental harm to me, I was like, okay, I have to cut you off. There's no blood that can tie us closer, but... Um, I think the the hardest relationship for me to deal with uncomfortable conversations is romantic relationships. The easiest is workplace because fuck them. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> like I don't have any like oh mm, workplace racism though. No, still f them. What they gonna do? Whoop me? Like. <laughs> Yeah, that I have an issue. I feel like the hardest situation or hardest relationships I find to deal with uncomfortable conversations is romantic ones because I feel like when you love someone, it's a different type of release or a different part of you than when you just like them. Like you like, you love your, you love your family members and you like your family members. But when you are, your romantic partner is another type of relationship. So the love you feel for them is much deeper and more intimate than you would a family member. So when you have to deal with the uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversation with someone that you love, you're like, damn, like, I really do like you. I just don't want to have to deal with this, but we have to deal with this. It's like, it's necessary to have these conversations, but they just suck because you really love the person and you just don't want to have to like argue or like, you know, have any type of conflict. You want to just be rainbows and butterflies all the time. For me, I do. I know. I want rainbows and butterflies too. And it's, you're right. Um, because you really, with family, this is somebody, it's like, what I feel like with family is we're together. You know, we're in the same family. And I'm very close to my family. Very family oriented. And so it's almost like it's even a certain duty in the way that we interact with each other. Yeah. When it comes to family. Family expect for you to just do certain things really out of obligation. Mm-hmm. I'm, I I have younger siblings. It's my job really to look out for my younger siblings and to be there for my younger siblings even if I don't agree with what they're doing, even if I warn them not to do the bull crap that they didn't got themselves into. Once they get into it as a big sister, because I love you, it's my duty to still help you in the situation. Whereas with the romantic relationship, I love you. Like you said, Nikki, I'm choosing you to be in my life. 
And so as a result of me loving you and you loving me, because you, I hope you're in a romantic relationship with somebody that you love, we have to have the uncomfortable conversations to try to resolve conflict. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's like, For some people, communication makes things easy. Yeah. It really does. If me and Nikki are having a conflict, and me and Nikki, y'all, we're on the same wavelength a lot. Mm-hmm. But there are times where I may hurt Nikki's feelings, or Nikki may hurt my feelings. And one thing, we're both communicators. We're going to talk to each other about it. Mm-hmm. And after we communicated and get things out on the table, you know, it could be a five minute conversation and it's resolved. Mm-hmm. But it also, but it seems like for some people, maybe men and men stand up for yourself if I'm wrong. Cause I never, I, I think it's very dangerous to use generalizations mm-hmm. based on limited experience. So yeah. I could be wrong, but it seems like men, some men, and I don't know if it's a testosterone thing. Mm. You feel like you have to stay mad to be yeah. manly. I don't know. I don't know what it is. So instead of having a conversation where we can talk about, Hey, you know, I was misunderstood. I misinterpreted your intentions and I reacted wrong or vice versa. It's easier. And it's not just man, but it's easier to hold a grudge and be mad versus releasing the negativity and just being positive and letting it go. Yeah. And that is okay. The purpose of the uncomfortable conversations is to get down to the root of the problem so that you can let it go and so that you can move on. You all know I'm all about the positivity. Move on in a higher frequency because now we have an understanding. I'm sorry I didn't mean to do that and vice versa. It really could be that easy. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those situations where, you know, you, I think of it as like the group project, like you got a group and y'all in this one project together and you got one person who's just ready to just do the work and make sure that they do their best and put their best effort and like, they just try to get a good grade, right? They just try their best. And then you have some people who's just like... But this don't even make no sense. Or like, they just got some negative thing to say about it. And it's like, well, don't you just want to try? Like, don't you just want to try to make this work? Don't you just want to try to make this be more of a positive than the negative that it is? Like, if the ne- if the negative is so bad that it's like, it's clouding your 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 thoughts and like how you perceive things. Like, don't you just want to change it? And why fight the person trying to help you change it mm-hmm. why not just work with me on it I feel like for my relationship it's more of a cultural thing and it's also more of a like I'm, I, 
I don't like I can think for myself type of deal. Like he's very like I'm I'm very secure in how I think and I don't really need um I don't really need what's it called? Like I don't really need um clarity or or, or clearance from anyone else to satis- to to verify my thoughts. So that could it just it'd be making it difficult. It'd be making it difficult. It sucks though. It does suck when you like when you really, really love that person. It's like as Courtney says, you miss it on <laughs> what you say, Courtney, you missing on that big purr. <laughs> but right, you know. <laughs> but for real, like y'all just y'all y'all are out here avoiding having conversations with your love with people that you love. We're talking about romantic relationships. You're out here avoiding conversations because be, because like I can't even think of a reason like to avoid a conversation of conflict, to avoid mm-hmm. resolution. You'd rather be unhappy with the person that you love than be to be happy with the person that you love. That's what y'all telling us. And you forget too, you guys are supposed to be a team. A team, yeah. And so what kind of team really is trying to tear that other person down? Yeah. And when you have somebody who make a mistake and we're not talking like uh, deal breakers yeah if someone breaks your deal breaker if they cross your boundaries for real for real like they literally just did something that you're like I'm not tolerating this yeah Um, forgive them nobody is perfect have the conversation. You don't have to hold on to the grudge. It's not your job to try to punish somebody or teach somebody a lesson. Yeah. You're team. And yeah. so to take that attitude with someone who's trying to fix a situation is to say, you made me feel bad. I'm going to make you feel bad versus thinking in a team fashion. We're working together. How can we resolve this so that it's in the best interest of both of us? Yeah, because at the end of the day, like you don't you don't hate each other. You don't and these are so and we're talking about guys, I mean from my and Courtney's point of view, we're talking about things that are not deal breakers. We're talking about stuff that you could actually just have the conversation about. Put your put your big boy boxers or briefs on, your big girl panties or whatever on and like have these hard conversations so, so that you don't have to keep going in these circles of the same arguments. So y'all know how just just drop a yeah drop a hand raise emoji if you have a consistent argument with your partner. If there's an argument that y'all have just it's just it just keeps coming back Every single time. Think about how many times that you've had that same argument and how many opportunities you've had to change that argument, to, to, to find a different solution. Right. And, and let me get this. Like, let me say this. Like, I've been talking about, I spoke to my husband about it the other day. I was like, you know, we've been, we're going along these, this same wavelength, but we're not even just realizing that what we're doing is not working. So switch it up. 
Like, you don't yeah. have to sit there and just, like, tolerate something because of how your parents did it or how your friends are doing or what society says. Like, this is your relationship. You are two people who have two different sets of needs and wants and desires that are different from, you know, society and what everything else that you're comparing your relationship to. Make your relationship set rules set on what you want, what you guys want as a couple. Like, I just, it's some work. It takes work. And you do have to leave room for growth because nobody is perfect. And so if you do have a a conversation with your partner and you see that they're making the effort, sure, it might be a repeat offense because once again, I'm conditioned to act a certain way based on how I've been raised. And so after being raised 18 years by my mama, and then I meet you for what? How many years and we're dating? I have to learn how to deal with you. So we have to have some room for grace and some room for patience. Acknowledge somebody's efforts. They're not going to be perfect. It's not going to change overnight. Another thing that is concerning is when you have people and you're having sex and you're afraid to talk to your partner about sex. Now that's a problem. What is up with that, guys? What is up with that? That's a problem. You trust somebody enough to have sex with you. That's a very intimate act, whether you're in a long-term relationship or you're in a casual relationship. Why is it that sex is such a scary topic to talk about with somebody that you're having sex with? Because at the end of the day, it's power. Like, I feel like if you're the person in the relationship that's maybe had, let's say, okay, nine times out of 10, mostly men are the ones that have the most sexual power in a relationship. I'm just guessing on average the man has more sexual power. And I think that people or the other partner, whether you're a man or a woman, because let's be real, you are slow to speak. Me, I've been one of those people very short amount of time, not in my marriage, but in other relationships. I was slow to speak because I felt like, okay, I don't want this person to think that I don't know anything because then I'm going to look stupid. But I also don't want to like act like I can't handle what's being given to me. Now, again, I said that was very immature. That I'm saying that's very, that was a very immature thought of mine to have. It was a very selfless thing, to, uh, thought to have of mine. Uh, but I really used to think like, okay, well, you know, I don't want this person to think that I can't, da, 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 so let me try to, when really I needed them to slow down, when really I needed them to like try something different, when really I needed to like respect my boundaries a little bit more. But yeah, it's, see, it's also a little bit easier said than done because when you're in the act and you're a person who in your mental, you're not even able to speak it for yourself sexually, you don't even need to be having sex with this person. Mm-mm. Because you really should be having sex with somebody that you trust enough where you can speak up. Uh, 
period. Yeah. See, here's the thing. These men, nine times out of ten, they're going to get their nut, okay? Mm-hmm. And typically, men don't have a problem saying what it is that they need either. Yeah. If you hurt them during sex, they might speak up and say, ouch, that hurts. Yeah. Or, I need you to slow down or try this position. Let's do this instead. Yeah. Meanwhile, you might have a woman who she's not really feeling jackhammer Jimmy or yeah. whatever. You yeah, know? yeah. And as women, you know, if we if we're willing to have sex with somebody and give our bodies away, we have to start looking at our bodies as the temples that they are. You're not going to waste having sex with somebody and then it's not going to be a meaningful experience for you. What's the point of having sex if he gets his rocks off and then you got to go masturbate in the shower with the shower head or something? Yeah. You know, it shouldn't be like that. It's very, like Nikki said, if you're afraid to talk about sex and say what it is that you need, shouldn't be doing it. And here's another thing to you all. Here's another tip. You don't have to say it in the act either. Yeah. You can wait. And that's with any uncomfortable conversation. You, sometimes you are, we're so emotional, we're so riled up that things are going to come out in a way that we don't intend for them to come out. And then in retrospect, you regret it. So when it comes to a serious conversation or even especially a conversation about sex and your sexual needs with your partner, don't have it in the moment. You can have it another time where you all are in a good mood and chilling. You can phrase it a certain type of way where it becomes, hey, you know, this is what I this is what I like in a way that's not because. Another thing with communication, we don't want to use our words as weapons. Somebody is not going to receive what it is that you're saying if you say it in a way that's offensive and they have to get defensive. Yeah. You want to say it in a way that's going to be receptive. And so you want to say it in a way that, you know, hey, baby, or hey, boo, or whatever. Mm -hmm. This is what I like. Where someone's not going to get offended. We have to stop trying to hurt each other. Yeah. You can be assertive and get your point across without being mean. Yeah. Yeah. That whole, when people get offended by someone else having sexual boundaries, it will, like, I'm talking about in a mutual relationship. It's like you, they just automatically assume after X amount of time, you have ownership over my body or after X amount of times, we may have done a certain act that you have, that you have the right to do that. And you, you just don't. That's the simple thing. And I don't either over your body, like neither one of us, like they, what they girl, what that girl say on that, um, Jasmine Sullivan album, like, we are here telling them that the pussy is theirs, but really, in actuality, it's the dick part is mine. It's mine. It it belongs to my body. I carry it every day. I cleanse it every day. I take it like every day. This is not I yours. Eat this, I eat this pineapple I every eat this day. 
So, like, you're not about to sit here and act like that I have no say-so over my body. You are not the U.S. government. Now, that's a different story. They can make whatever and whatever they try to say. But, like, this is within a relationship. My body is my body. Let's be real. Your body is your body. And I'm not going to do anything to you that you don't want done to you. And you're not going to do anything to me that I don't want done to myself. I don't mm-hmm. care how many times I have done it. I don't care if I just did it to you a second before I said no. If I say no. Stop. That's, that's it. true. Stop. That's no. it. No. Whether you my husband whether you my boyfriend, whether you my cuddy buddy, whether I hit you up on Tinder. Yep. That moment that a woman or a man. Anybody. Says no. Stop. You have to stop. It is a complete, especially if you care about somebody, a complete violation of trust. Yeah. To not only get an to not only try to keep doing it, but to get mad at somebody for asking you to stop. Yeah. But you can be mad. Be mad. Because guess what? Who Guess who's not going to be mad? Me? Right. Because I'm going to let you know. I might let you try it again, too. Yeah. If you want to establish that trust with me so that I can feel safe and comfortable. Yeah, It's ridiculous how many times you have to just I mean, us as women, I feel like we deal with it a lot more than men as far as like cat calling and like things like that. But like, it's ridiculous how many times you have to tell people no. And they think that every Mm -hmm. time before that final no is an invitation to try harder. Like, it's not an invitation. Like, I'm not, I'm not, not smiling at you because I want you to try harder. I want you to harass me more. I'm not telling you that, oh, I'm married or, oh, I have a man that I'm not interested or no, thank you. Thank you for the compliment, but no, thank you for the date or whatever. Like, why is that so hard for you to comprehend? You know how many other women in this world who would say yes to what you're asking them? So go find those women. Like, I'm not, I'm just not the one for you. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, I've dealt with women before, but I've never dealt with the woman on the level of like how these men are. Well, like if you reject them, they're like, fuck you, then you little <laughs> <laughs> <Lint>, lit. <Yeah. laughs> like, I just, I've never done with, I've never dealt with it in that manner. But I mean, have these uncomfortable conversation uncomfortable conversations, y'all. It's necessary. Mm-hmm. It is it is honestly as a, an adult, it is developmentally necessary to continue having conversations that make you a little squeamish because one big lessons mm-hmm. teaches you very healthy coping skills. On especially when you get married, when you get um, when you live with your partner, whatever type of long term relationship you may have with another human being in a close proximity, like being able to have conversations that may be uncomfortable for you, but that will work out for the better good of your relationship, it's necessary. Yeah, I'm 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 in the act of trying to break certain generational curses in my family. Yeah. And, um, and I think this is a problem in all families where 
and I, it may be the older generations too, because I do feel like, um, you know, our generation and even generation, these upcoming generations, we are more confrontational. We yeah. are willing to speak up and say what it is. Yeah. It's not automatically, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold my tongue because I'm forced to respect my elders. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can respect my elders and still stand up for myself. Yeah. And so even with family, you all, these older people can learn something from us, whether it's speaking up. I just got into an intense debate with my grandmother Mm -hmm. about politics. Yeah. And I'm not going to get into the details of the politics, but I am going to say that, you know, her reaction I felt like her brain was going to break because she did not want to receive anything that I was saying. It was like she was malfunctioning like a robot. It was kind of, kind of hilarious. Mm. I love you, Granny. But that generation is afraid of having uncomfortable conversations to the point where these generational curses are being perpetuated. Mm. Molestation, rape. Mm-hmm. abuse mm-hmm. you're going to continue to replicate what it is that you see a child who grows up in an abusive household yeah. is liable to be an abuser yeah. it does not matter that that child felt pain of witnessing one parent abusing another parent mm-hmm. you're liable to replicate what it is that you see yeah And that's why we have to have these conversations. We can't brush things under the rug or else we're going to continue having the same miserable outcome that we're having. Yeah. Which was my point about the politics. Um, What about workplace racism? We work, we work with a a diverse group of people. Mm Mm-hmm. We told you all about the Karen story. Even you all, when you're dealing with workplace racism, especially as a minority, it's time to end white supremacy. Let's go back to that. End white supremacy or any type of, you need any type of racism. You need to get educated Mm -hmm. on what racism is. You need to get educated on the problems of white supremacy so that if you're experiencing some type of racist, you witness racism, um, we need to be willing to stand up for what's right. Yeah. Be willing to be that person to stand up. And you have to get yourself in the right mind space where it's like, you know, I'll risk it all to stand up for what's right. Because yeah. all the real leaders, that's what they did. Martin Luther King, he had to work for his popularity. But his message wound up shining no matter the obstacles that he faced. Yeah. Malcolm X, Jesus Christ, he was freaking crucified. Mm. Um, any martyr that you all know, that you all can name, they had to stand up with, for what's right. Yeah. And 2021, I'm going toe-to-toe with anybody who's trying to perpetuate that racism stuff out of ignorance. Yeah, I don't have time for that. 
Mm-mm. Not at all. So I got some scenarios for you, Nikki. Okay. What would you do? First thing, let's say you get into it with your mama. Mm-hmm. And your mother decides to go to Facebook to vent about you and your argument. How would you handle that situation? Ignore her. Ignore the ignore the Facebook post. Ignore her and her rants because that's what she's looking for. She's looking for attention. If you put it on Facebook, what do you want? Comments, likes. Like, what are you looking for? Okay, I know how to deal with you. Ignore you. Ignore you, the conversation, and the problem. For now, until we're going to deal with it like adults. Okay, would you confront her? Nope. I would ignore it. Like, I wouldn't even say, I wouldn't say anything. I would, I mean, at the least, the smallest amount I will let her know that I I would say that. I would say exactly what I just said. I would still do exactly what I just said. One thing, too, is it sounds like if she is bitten on Facebook, like you said, it's the result of a confrontation Mm -hmm. where you would have already said what it was that you needed to say. Yeah. So I feel you on that reaction instead of going back and feeding into that. Mm -hmm. Um, Going ahead and ignoring it. Okay. Okay, so what about if you were having sex with your partner Mm -hmm. and you see he's in his zone, he's feeling it, he's like, oh yeah, I'm Mandingo out here, the stallion, Mm -hmm. and meanwhile, you sitting there like, womp womp, what would you do? Ugh, that's kind of hard. I would have to say something. I would, would you say something? I would say something. I would do it. I would have to say it in a sense of like, oh, I really, I would really like for you to do this. Or I would really, enjoy, you know what I would really like? Blah, blah, blah. Or you know what I would really enjoy? Da, 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 da. Like, something like that. I wouldn't, because, you know, men have an ego. And you have to cater to their egos, especially during sex. So I would do it in a sense of like, I'm honestly almost playing dumb. Like, you just gotta be like, oh, you know, you just gotta, I don't know. I'm really into like making them feel like they're super macho. I'm also a making them into like, you know, cry like little bitches. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm really into that. So I think I would like cater to it. I really would. So if mid stroke, he was like, you like that baby? Mm-hmm. We'll be like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I would cater to it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't deny it. Cause I get it. I get that mindset of like knowing that you've turned, if y'all know the phrase, you turn this person out. Like mm-hmm. I, I get the mindset of that because you get really excited when you can please someone to a different level sexually, especially your partner that you may have had sex with like 
who's been your partner for a long period of time. Like you feel excited when you can do something new or have a new trick or like all that for them. So you're like, play into it. Let them feel it. (laughs) All right. Last one. Let's say you go to Abby's school and you're allowed to go inside and you see all the white kids are eating their lunch. Meanwhile, the black kids are not eating their lunch. Mm. Like they're not allowed to eat their lunch. They're sitting there watching the white kids, not even just black kids, but any any minority. They mm-hmm. watching the white kids eat their lunch at daycare. Mm-hmm. What would you do? I'm saying something. My ba- is my baby there? Yeah, it's your baby's school. Whether my child is there or not, I'm saying something. Point blank, period. I'm saying something immediately. Not waiting, not going to tell some supervisor. I'm checking the person who's sitting there watching these black kids not eat. Ain't even Mm -hmm. no question about it. Because who has time? Right, right. Yeah. But, yeah. So, like we said before having these uncomfortable conversations on all different levels, whether it's family, romantic, or professional, super important. There is a lot of, there's, I mean, there's an infinite amount of benefits that come out of having uncomfortable conversations. So we hope that you guys have learned a little bit from that and we'll take some of those notes and apply it to your life. And now we are going to jump into the audacity of, all right, besties, welcome back. It is time for Audacity. Who did it, Nikki? All right, so this week we're talking, y'all know my least favorite group of human beings, white women. We're talking about them. And this is where they have the audacity. There are two places. One, I don't understand why white women find it necessary to make sure that everyone is following the rules. Here's a tidbit. Mind your own business. If you see someone out in public, white woman, and they're not following the public rules you are not the public safety officer so i saw a video of a white woman literally stalking a young man on a skateboard from skateboarding in a particular area she chased him meaning when he was on his skateboard going in one direction she was running with him trying to stop him Every time he would skate, she tried to stop him, putting her physical body. You know what kills me? Why? They're the biggest rule breakers. The biggest freaking rule breakers. They're the biggest rule breakers. And y'all want to sit here and make sure it's racist. Because you're racist. That's racist. You've called what it is. So much that someone else that's not white is breaking the rules that you have to put it upon yourself to make sure that they they do. 
You put your person, your physical person in harm's way to make sure that someone else is following the rules. Why? Why? What does it have to do with you? I can't even think of a sarcastic reason as to why you would do that. Mind your own fucking business. How about that? How about that? How about you just go and run your little route like you normally do and you go home and drink your little whatever green smoothie you got going on and just let it go? You just rice. Just, you just, just find something else to do. Do you not have an adult coloring book to get into? Is there not some new white woman, uh, you know, erotica that you can just blow your mind with? Is there not not a carpool lane that you can sit in and yell and honk through? Is there not a Zoomie that you can uh, go and sit and answer their test questions for them? Like, is there anything else you can do other than harassing other people for not doing things that you think they should be doing? Did you birth these people? Did you? Are these your children? I'm I'm sorry, girl. I'm trying to find I'm trying to find the connection here as to how all these situations, white women, are your problems. And then you get confused when somebody checks the fuck out of you. Because you, you gonna get checked. You gonna get checked. Why? You get confused when somebody asks you or checks you on what you're doing. Oh, how dare you? How dare you speak to me that way? White lady. Find yourself someone else to play with. Because black people are not it. We're we not, not it. it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not, not today. Not today. We really ain't never been it. It's a misconception that black people have been it. It's <laughs> a misconception that black people have taken this bullshit. Black people have never been it. Never been it, okay? <laughs> never. You know. Never been it. We don't want the foolishness. Nine times out of ten, we trying to mind our own business. So, right. like, just cut it. Cut it. Second thing, second problem with white women is that y'all always trying to tone police us. And I say us as in black women. I speak on this as a black woman. Right, because they sure ain't tone police and they own doggone kids. Oh, no. Oh, no. Don't tone police a child. What was that? What's that? Responsibility? Accountability? Oh, we do that. That's teaching something. We don't want to teach them anything. We want to hinder them. That's what they want to do. So we're talking about tone policing. We got white women out here telling black women, me, I have white women out here telling me, a black woman, a grown-ass black woman with a child, how to speak. And a master's degree. And a master's degree. And a bachelor's degree. In publishing at that. So, honey, I went to school for the read, okay? I know what I'm doing. And so you want to sit here and tell me because I didn't say something the way you preferred for me to say it? Because it sounds like something else to you when you could just do the simple thing of asking me what are my intentions behind my words? And I can tell you, but you want to sit here and tell me, you're being accusatory. You're, you're, you're sounding really mean. You're sounding really angry. 
Those are things that y'all want to sit here and harp on. When you can just ask me what my intentions are. If you think my intention is to tell you that your ch- is to accuse your child of doing something, I'm going to tell you that my intention is to tell you that your child is doing something. I'm going to tell you that my intention is to tell you, you know, what my feelings are on something. I'm not going to beat around the bush about it. I'm going to tell you. My tone is like this. The level of my voice is like this because I've had to repeat myself to you over four times or your child or whoever. I've had to speak up for myself multiple times. I'm tired. Wouldn't you be tired? I'm going to say this too. We come from different cultures. Boom. And that's what it is. As a black woman, my culture is completely different from that of a white woman. And so my tone is going to be different from yours when I'm excited, when I'm happy, when I'm upset, whatever it is. I don't always agree with the tone that you use, but I'm not going to sit here and hop up in your email and say, hey, I think that you are too soft with your reckless child. Yeah, And the problem with tone policing is you're going to use my tone as an excuse to negate yep. Yep. the problem yep. that I'm that talking I'm about to tell you while yep. we're supposed to be having an uncomfortable conversation. That's I need you to get past that. I need you to understand. The problem is not my right. tone. The, that's not the problem. Yeah. That's not the problem. It's, it's, it's one of those things that I feel like I think as a black woman, I will continue have to fight for. I don't think, and I'm just going to be honest on all fronts. I'm talking about against black men, against anybody else who's not a black person and against anybody else who's not a woman. Like, I feel like that we will continue to, to be, we will continue to have to fight this, to have to have this discussion. I want to say fight to just to have this discussion over our tone and what it means to everyone else and how we're supposed to present ourselves. I'm not a blueprint. I don't Mm -hmm. follow a blueprint. So how I present myself to you will be different from how Courtney presents herself to you. How I say something will be different. How Courtney says it to me, just like for you, Let's say the name is Chris. Chris, you're not going to present yourself or say the same. Let's say the wording is the same. Let's say y'all reading from a script. You, Chris, are not going to have the same tone as Brian because you and Brian are two different people. Just like me, Nikki, it's just not going to have the same tone as any other person or woman or however, whatever relationship you're applying this to. You're not going to have the same tone as what people are expecting you to have it at. So they need to under they need to add, they need to listen to the words that you're saying, ask you for clarity on your context and your intentions, and then move on from there. But don't sit here and harp on how I'm saying things. Have you considered why I've had to say this thing a million times? Mm-hmm. And honestly, too, when it comes to tone, because I I can get big on tone too. Yeah. But when I get big on tone, it's because I feel like, you know, you're screaming. Mm-hmm. Tone is the attitude of the way that you're delivering things. Mm-hmm. And so, you all, let's be, I mean, let's be conscious here, okay? You know the situation that you're dealing with this tone. And yeah. you're able to tell if 
this is a tone that is the reaction of something that has already happened. You know, I'm not for screaming at people and all of that, but it's natural for your tone to elevate. Certain inflections in the voice is just natural. And so don't use that as an excuse to miss the message. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to teach you all about iMessages another time. (laughs) Yeah. But no, I mean, honestly, you guys like this, this week with the audacity, it's been really one of those Mm -hmm. where like, not just in my personal life, just in like social just been what's going on in America and our in our world in general. I feel like that white women have been having, they've really been having the audacity for a long time. It's for us like calling the police on unarmed, on you know, black men that are not dangerous or posing any threat to them, like that type of stuff. They've had the audacity on, but you really about to sit here and chase down somebody on a skateboard. That's ridiculous. You can just go on about your day. Like you will never probably ever see this person ever again in your life. So I think it's ridiculous. I think that they need to be called out on that. If you are a white woman and that you do not agree with that, check your fellow white friends. Check your fellow white women. Let them know that this shit is ridiculous. And also stop checking me on my tone. It's racist. It's right. Stop. I'm not even going to ask you no more. Stop checking me on my tone. It's not going to change. I mean what I say and I say what I mean. And the reason why we have to get this type of voice on y'all and not the hey girl, hey voice. That's why I don't get the hey girl, hey voice most of the time is because you don't respect us. So you have to get this tone. You have to understand that we mean business. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're gonna look at us like we clowns. So, the audacity, and that's on Mary had a little lamb. <laughs> hey, Mary had a little lamb. It's right. racist. It's racist. It's right. Yeah. So we're going to we're going to go ahead and try to bring this episode to an end. But of course, you guys know that we cannot end without giving our bop of the week. What what we are jamming out to? What is fueling our energy? So, Courtney, what you got? All right. So, y'all, I know. I hope. That you all have heard little babies only, and we talked about the only challenge before a couple weeks ago when we were shouting out um female rappers because these female rappers y'all have been snapping. Well, little baby dropped his army remix, and everybody thought that this new rapper I don't know how new she is, but she's not mainstream. Her name is Amaretta. Everybody was talking about how tight she was. But unfortunately, y'all, little baby went ahead. I'm not going to say unfortunately, but he went the money way, the mainstream way, the pop way. And he decided to put Megan Thee Stallion on the remix instead of Amaretta's version. And Amaretta was snapping, y'all. So our bop of the week is Amaretta's On Me Freestyle. Don't let me slide, but I feel disrespected. I feel like the whole city owes me. They talking about ready, you boys, we keep their hearts be active, and y'all gotta show me. If I never open my mouth and start rapping again, I'ma die. Be patiently stamped, and I see everybody throwing on the rest on the ground, but I.
right she was snapping so you know everybody was like well she couldn't put he couldn't put amaretta on there because then she would have showed him up so shout out to you amaretta on me we see you girl yeah that's our bop nikki you got an honorable mention i do i have i actually came across this little kim song this week this past week and it's called not tonight um, she is, uh, I'm pretty sure I cannot play it. So just know that if you listen to this, it is on some women empowerment tip. Okay. It's called not tonight. Some of the, the ladies, say, you know, the chorus starts off saying, I don't want dick tonight. <laughs> Eat my pussy. Right. So, you know, that's the gist of the song. You can find it wherever you can Google it, you know, but it's popping. It's lit. I'm loving it. Right. the ladies. Hey. Y'all, I stay listened to. I try my best to only listen to female, uh, especially when it's coming to rap music. Like, I love listening to female rap. My favorite is Megan Messiah, but Kim is a... I'm with, I'm finding some old school little Kim songs that are really resonating with me. So I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Once again, y'all shout out to our female rappers. I'm sitting here like, man, so many of them. Yeah. So, <laughs> so much value. These women are out here jamming. So yeah, besties. Um, thank y'all so much for tuning in with us tonight as we talked about these uncomfortable conversations and let us know. Um, what are some of your experiences with uncomfortable conversations? Are you afraid to have them? Do you feel bold enough? And you are, Nikki and I, we are hoping that we can be bold enough to say what it is. Be assertive. Be authentic. Why live in this world if you're afraid to speak up for yourself, say what it is that you need, what you want? Do it, guys. It feels good. And the people that love you are going to respect your boundaries just like you respect theirs. So thank you guys so much for listening. Check us out. Y'all know anywhere at the Courtney and Nikki show. Bye. Bye. Hey, best friends. Thanks for listening to the Courtney and Nikki show. If you like this show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other best friends like you find our show. If you want to connect with us outside of the show, follow us on Instagram at The Courtney and Nikki Show. Talk to you soon.